0: Hey, howdy y'all. Uh, this is Trent and I am part of No Walls Worship, which is the funky thing that we do over at Bee Creek UMC on the first and third Sundays of every month. And here's, here's what I think is I, I think you probably know somebody. That wouldn't feel comfortable in church, that you may not even feel comfortable inviting to our church, which is weird because we're super casual there and it's open and accepting and all that. But uh, maybe you wouldn't feel comfortable inviting someone there. Or maybe you have invited someone there and they've told you no, and then they've told you no, and they've told you no, (laughs) and they've told you no, and you've given up. Um, I bet you could get them to come to No Walls. Uh, Here's what you tell them you say, hey, there's this guy, Trent, and he says good words. And sometimes they're funny and he's not a pastor. He's just a regular dude. And uh, there's this other guy, John. Um, John plays amazing music. He's gifted and talented and he doesn't play worship music. He plays stuff that you've heard before and stuff that gives you chills and Uh, tunes that you really, really like, and there's no pressure. We just kind of go and hang out at a distillery where they make moonshine. And then afterwards, maybe we'll have a creamsicle. uh, Or afterwards, maybe we'll go grab lunch. Um, But I think No Walls is more of that thing that you do after church than it is the thing that you do during church. And I bet you could get a friend to come. I've seen that happen a bunch at, at No Walls. Um, let's see Uh, I did not record one of these uh, a couple weeks ago and the reason why I did not record one of these is because I was switching places with Laura Laura uh, got to go over and switch and do no walls for me uh, and I got to go over to the big church and uh, do big church for her and that was super fun Um, it's a totally different energy uh, but a cool energy too and I, I really enjoyed being with those folks um, it was a good time. And I know Laura really enjoyed being with the No Walls crew. Uh, that was super fun for her. Uh, so that's it. We, we do our first and third for September. What that looks like is September 2nd, which is tomorrow. Uh, and I'm getting myself ready for that message by recording um, this version of the message. Uh, and then we're also together on September 16th. Uh, September 16th. Um, and the title of this message, uh, the one that I'll be doing tomorrow is, uh, I am a fig tree is <laughs> one of my, uh, I get kind of geeky about titles sometimes and I really like this one. Uh, I am a fig tree. All right, let's do it. Someday, uh, someday I'm going to die. That's true. I mean, uh, there's part of me that hopes that isn't true. Uh, I, But I'll tell you, I'd like to at least see the Bears win uh, one more Super Bowl before that happens. Y'all, this uh, last time they won, it was 1985, and y'all, that was a long time ago. That's 33 years ago. Um, I was five years old, and uh, I missed out on the entire Walter Payton era. I mean, I kind of knew who that was, but I missed that era. Um, But I'm going to die, and... I mean, maybe it won't be true. Uh, maybe they will be able someday to upload my brain into a computer, <laughs> right? And then maybe I could live as an app on your phone. But as I, as I started thinking about this, you know, being an app on your phone or being uploaded to a computer, I, I wondered, um, what would I do, <laughs> right? How would I spend all my time? Uh, w- would I continue to do banking work? would I download and read all those classic pieces of literature that I never got around to reading? Uh, or maybe I would just go back and watch all the Harry Potter movies. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe I don't want to be uploaded, but um, if I was an app on your phone, if I was an app on my kid's phone, they could maybe open my app up on time to time uh, for birthdays, Little League games. Uh, they could prop me up um, in a distillery or a brewery and I could talk about Jesus. Um, yeah, maybe I could be an app uh, on your phone. I wonder how many years it would be, uh, before my app didn't get open, (laughs) right? Like the grandkids were like, yeah, we don't want to open up grandpa Trent right now. Uh, I wonder how many generations it would be before my grand grandkids didn't even bother downloading me. That's kind of a depressing thought. Sorry. But um, what I was going to get at before I digressed on that is that uh, someday I'm going to die, right? And uh, I am going to be remembered. I'm going to be remembered by my kids. I'll be remembered by Mitzi. And I'll be remembered by by my close friends. And as soon as my funeral, people are going to start saying nice things about me. Um, They'll begin to memorialize me. And... Uh, all my annoying parts, right? My is my faults, I think they'll make light of, they'll joke about. And in their memory, I think the people that matter will carry the best parts of me. But the truth is, um, there are not only good parts to me, there are bad parts to me too. Um, I can be selfish. Uh, I can. Um, I, I know I've yelled and said hurtful things to my kids and to my wife when they didn't deserve it. I'm I'm kind of scattered. Uh, I can be disorganized. I lose things all the time. Uh, like I, I've had 120 pairs of sunglasses. In just the last eight years, y'all, this happened the other day. I was helping Rowan. Uh, he was he had to go to the bathroom, and we were at the CVS. Uh, you know that thing when your kid is three and a half and they're in their car seat, and they say, "Hey, I have to go to the bathroom." You don't get to try to make it home. You pull over at the CVS. Well, I'm at the CVS, and. I bend over to pull up Rowan's underwear and at the exact moment that the toilet was flushing, you know, one of those high powered whoosh flush Rowan will say, dad, is this one loud? (laughs) It was one of the loud ones. Um, At the exact moment, the toilet was flushing. I'm leaning over my sunglasses, plopped off my head, hit the water and whoosh. (laughs) uh, The sunglasses were gone. Um, Rowan and I looked at each other like, Just eyes wide, and yeah, and then he started crying. I mean, he really started crying. I'm not sure why he cared so much about my sunglasses, but uh, I was not really even upset. I I was just glad that I didn't have to make a decision to fish them out um, or to not fish them out. They were just flushed and gone. (laughs) A decision was made for me. But y'all, there are um, there are good parts of me, and there are bad parts of me. I have hurt people um unknowingly I've hurt people and knowingly I've hurt people I have failed or forgotten obligations and I have fallen short and I have missed the mark time and time again I was talking to my mom this last week my my dad texted me and and he reminded me that it was a year to the day that my mom's mom uh, my grandmother had died My dad had to remind me of that. Um, My dad is a good man. My mom said, uh, when we were talking, she said something interesting to me. She said, when your parents are gone, you start to realize you're next, right? Or you're the last generation, your mortality um, starts to get to you a little bit. And, And we were talking about how she remembered her mom. And then she said, I know I've made so many mistakes, you know, being a mom and raising y'all. She said, but I feel so lucky that my kids seem to only remember and tell me about all the good stuff. Um, it is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. My mom's a good woman too. But um, the, the passage... You know, I'm kind of setting up this thing here um, about us, our mortality, right? And someday we will die. And there are good things about us and there are bad things about us. And if we're lucky and if our um, friends and family, they show us grace, they'll they'll remember all the good stuff. Um, the passage I want to show you today has, has one of my favorite things in it. And every once in a while when I'm studying, I, I find uh, something that should have been obvious to me. You know, I, it something I've read a thousand times and it was really, really simple. But I'll find something that's simple, but somehow it changes everything I know or about how I understand what I'm reading. And I want to show that thing to you. Uh, and this is in a parable, Uh, And if you've been around, uh, you know I've got a hankering uh, for parables. And in parables, uh, it's just fancy talk for the stories that Jesus told. Because I, I believe real strongly, if you want to know the man, you should understand the stories the man told. And uh, this uh, this is like a little disclaimer I feel like I have to say every time he, I don't feel like you can build a whole theology out of just one story but I do think that these stories that, that Jesus told amazing stories are really solid I mean technically genius parables I think they're calorie rich I think they are dense little nuggets of wisdom that point at the nature of God and the nature of life and anyway this is a good one Uh, this is Luke it's uh, Luke chapter 13 verses 6 through 9 so a short passage all right Luke 13 verse 6 the um, parable's title at least in the good news translation is the parable of the unfruitful fig tree uh, then, um, then Jesus told them this parable, quotation marks, there was once a man who had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. He was looking for figs on the fig tree. Cause what else would you look for on a fig tree? But found none. So he said to his gardener, Hey, look for three years, three stinking years, I have been coming here Looking for figs on this fig tree, and I have not found any. Cut this thing down. There's an exclamation point there. Why should this tree, this fig tree, go on using up the soil? But the gardener answered, Leave it alone, sir. Just one more year, sir. I will dig it up, sir. And I will put in some fertilizer. Then, sir... (laughs) <laughs> I'm adding the sirs. Then if the tree bears figs next year, so much the better. If the, if not, then you can have it cut down. The parable of the unfruitful fig tree. All right. This parable should feel familiar. You should recognize this story. It should feel like you've heard it before, even if you haven't heard it Um Jesus and trees and cursing the tree and fruit and bearing fruit. And you have to have, um, well, maybe not, but I think if you grew up around church at all, this is going to feel like a familiar story. I don't know um, exactly why this is. Um, maybe it's because I have a Western mindset you know, I grew up in America uh, white and middle-class. Maybe it's because uh, I live in a society rooted in capitalism. Uh, maybe it's because I am a little results-oriented. Uh, i a strategic thinker and I've worked at a bank and results, results, results. But I hear and I read this story and I immediately start to focus in on the performance of the tree, right? Right. <laughs> All right, tree, you have not yielded any fruit. Year one, disappointment. Year two, disappointment turning towards frustration. Year three, disappointment and a twinge of anger. Year four. Ugh. But here's the part that I finally noticed that changed this whole story for me. And, uh, and maybe you'll figure this out uh, with the answer to this. What do people grow in vineyards? What do people grow in vineyards? Yes. Yeah, they grow grapes. So why in a snot is there a fig tree in a vineyard? Okay? I, I read that so many times. So many times. And I've read this a lot in my past and never even crossed my mind, again, straight to the fig and the performance and the results and the three years of disappointment. And, and then I came across this article uh, and it was an article by a pastor and his pastor grew up in Napa Valley, right? And so when he reads this story about a vineyard and a fig tree in a vineyard, He's like, man, I've been around wine, right? I've been around grapes and vineyards my whole life. And he said in this article, article, hear this, I don't know any vineyard owner that would even begin to think about planting a fig tree in a vineyard. He went on and described this. He said that fig trees are a very needy plant. I went onto a gardening blog and kind of confirmed this through some other stuff. They are tough to grow. Fig trees tend to be a little persnickety. Uh, they they usually produce fruit um, after their second year, but it, that's not like a solid expectation. Sometimes it'll be their sixth year. Sometimes it's in between the fourth or the fifth. And I thought this was interesting. In this gardening magazine, it said, there's really not much you can do to speed it along. It's going to just produce fruit when it does, but sometime in that two to six year range. And then this pastor was describing that, you know, a vineyard owner would never mix a fig tree in with the vines because the roots, like I said, the roots are needy. And they would steal too many nutrients from the soil, and so it would damage the grapes. And then if you planted a fig tree too close to the vines, it grows up, it bears leaves, and it would cast too much of a shadow, which would block the much-needed sunlight and warmth that grapes need, especially in Napa, in the vineyard. The sunlight stresses the grapes enough to produce sugars that make them sweet, which leads to a good harvest, which leads to great crop for wine. And y'all, fig trees also, they attract birds, and they attract birds' nests, nasty birds that would put the grapes in danger. They would pick off the grapes and eat them. And so all this is to say that a fig tree has no business in a vineyard. And then you read this story again with a new lens, I think. And I see this gardener, you know, irrationally tending to the fig tree. The owner comes by and the owner doesn't understand the fig tree as well as the gardener does. And so in year one, when the fig tree cannot possibly produce fruit... He's already expecting a payoff. At the end of year three, he's exasperated and just kind of tired of messing with it. But the gardener says, give me another year. This time I'll dig deep. I'll get my hands in the soil. I'll water it. I'll prune back the dead limbs. I'll give it even more of my attention. (sighs) Y'all, this fig tree that has no business being in the vineyard at all, that is dangerous to the vines, the gardener says, I'll give it even more of my attention. I care that much. I'll give it another chance. There is a fig tree in the vineyard and it's being tended by a loving and caring gardener. Y'all, it is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Now, there's another interesting thing here. And um, y'all, I I debated a little bit about going here um, because... This next little point is, it's a little churchy. It's a little theological, but I like it. And y'all, y'all can tell me if this was too much, right? Or if it was boring or whatever, y'all, y'all come tell me. Um, but the, the interesting thing is the story just ends, right? The parable ends with the gardener saying give me another year but you don't get to find out what happens at the end of the fourth year because my perf- the performance based part of my brain it kicks into gear again and I start to think about the tree at the end of the fourth year I want to know what's going to happen I start to worry about the fig tree getting chopped down but we don't get to find out this is this is pure speculation I'm I'm making connections but there's one read on this story where we can look at the significance of these numbers at work, these three years and the fourth year. Now stick with me. Numbers were important in Hebrew culture. Numbers are symbolic in the Bible. The number three, like the three years that the fig tree has been growing, and seven, uh, three and seven are numbers of completion in the, Bi- uh, in the Bible and the Hebrew culture. Um, three is the number of the trinity seven is the number of days in the creation story seven is the number of days in the apocalyptic story you know you get threes and seven and it's about wholeness and completeness Um, and in this parable we have this tree growing for three years and the gardener asking for a fourth so Jesus says in, in, in one story um Back to these sevens. Jesus says you should forgive someone seven times, seven times. So I'm giving you this importance of numbers. But here we have this story, and it shows up as a cycle of four years, the gardener asked for, an incomplete number. And this cycle of three years that the landowner thinks is enough. And y'all, I promise I'm not going to get into any blood moon stuff here, but I want you to watch this. Uh, in the Hebrew culture and in Christian theology, there's this idea of three revelations, okay? Um, and quickly, the three revelations are patriarchal, mosaic, and prophetic. Uh, patriarchal revelation, mosaic revelation, prophetic revelation. And the idea is this, that there are um, three primary revelations of God, three ways we can come to understand the nature of God. Uh, Patriarchal is revelation through um, father figures, right? Uh, Patriarchal revelation is Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, right? It was a family thing. Dads passing knowledge of the divine onto their sons and daughters all through a lineage. Um, Then, so that's the first revelation, patriarchal revelation. The second revelation is a mosaic revelation and, and mosaic, not like glass, mosaic like Moses, Right? You know the story of Moses, a, a leader that emerges, uh, a specific heritage, a specific race of people um, that's leading his people, his heritage, his culture. And so this is Mosaic revelation is the passing of the knowledge of God to his broader family. So we have patriotic, or excuse me, patriotic, patriarchal revelation, Mosaic revelation, and then there's prophetic revelation. revelation. Now this is a little bit trickier, but, um, prophetic revelation happens when the nation grows bigger, right? The nation is, uh, larger. It becomes more secular. Um, the King is not necessarily, um, the Mosaic King is not the Moses King. He's not part of the heritage. The King isn't always the one leading the nation through spiritual growth. He's leading it through economic growth or political growth, but, um, and so in this, um, in this setting, prophets would emerge uh, and then would begin passing the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the divine to the people. So you have patriarchal, um, you have mosaic, and you have prophetic. These three ways of understanding and being connected to God You either learn from your father, you learn from your culture, uh, or you learn from the spiritual leaders that emerge uh, as advisors or counselors in the nation. And what I think, though, this connection that I see is twisted into this story is a revelation that there may be a fourth revelation, a fourth way, a new way and that there is a man in the garden with his hands in the dirt cultivating our growth, someone we can count on to give us another chance, (laughs) another year to get it right. If we didn't get it from our fathers, if we didn't get it from our culture, if we didn't get it from the designated spiritual leader, we can get it from the gardener. And so while the story doesn't end, we don't get to find out what would happen at the end of the fourth year. I I would bet money that when the vineyard owner comes around again, the gardener is going to ask for a fifth year and a sixth year and a seventh year. It is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And y'all, I don't know if that is how the story ends. I don't know that. But I do know this. Someday, someday I will die. And I believe, I hope, that those that I love will memorialize me in glowing terms. They will downplay my faults and they will overlook all my wrongs. I am a fig tree in a garden, in a vineyard. And y'all, I'm trying, (laughs) right? I'm trying, I'm striving. I want to produce more and better fruit. But when I don't, I am confident that there is a gardener in the vineyard ready to give me another year. This was fun. Thank you.